Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Life Givers Day. We're going to talk today about uh, life giving and not necessarily about Mother's Day. You know, I come from a, uh, a family, a, a big family, seven kids. By the way, my name is Dan Hardy. I'm one of the pastors here at Windsor Community Church. And um, typically what we do is we, we teach through a book of the Bible, and we're about 12 weeks into Genesis. Last, uh, and we finished a book in, in December, and we're now in Genesis. We're taking a two-week pause. We're doing a special, special message today on life givers. And the next Sunday, Pastor Willie from uh, Greeley, Crossway Chapel, will be coming and preaching out of uh, James uh, chapter 1 on uh, being not merely hearers of the Word of God, but being doers of the Word of God. So those of you that have not met Willie, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, Willie was the lead planter when we started in 2001, and we planted uh, Willie and his family and about 40 other people in Greeley in August of 2006. And really, to our shame as leadership here, we have not had him back. And so we are stoked to have him back uh, opening the Word with us. So where I started, I come from a, a big family. I'm one of seven kids. I'm the oldest of seven, and I've got the scars to prove it. And some of you that are oldest kids understand what I'm talking about. My mom had seven kids in ten years, seven, and she had a, a couple of miscarriages in the meantime, in between there. And we were from a, uh, a religious background where it's, it's quite surprising we stopped at seven. But my mom was a life giver in more ways than one. Ob- the obvious way, she was definitely a life giver as far as uh, manufacturing kids, but she was also a life giver from a nurturing standpoint. She was very nurturing, and she also was very scary. I remember one time, and my mom, and mom, if you're listening, I love you. My mom, remember my, my brother and I had bunk beds. I had the top bunk. He had the lower bunk, and he was, I was three years older than him, so he was a third child. And I remember one time laying there early one Saturday morning, about 11 in the morning, and I smelt something burning. I wasn't sure quite what it was. And then smoke started billowing up on both sides of my mattress, and my brother Mike had set my mattress on fire. And yes, there was malice. It was very purposeful. And I remember my mom getting a whiff of that and came down and said, Danny Joe, as the oldest I got the blame, Danny Joe, what did you do? And I'm saying... It's Michael Lloyd that did it. And I remember her with, my, my brother had stitches in his head from some accident. I remember her picking him up with one hand, I don't hold it, and throwing him against the wall. And saying, did you light your brother's hair on fire? And his stitches came undone, and I'm going, Mom, stop. But my mom was a nurturer. For... And I know you ladies are nurturers as well. A couple of quotes that I came across, is, and this has been a fun message to prepare for. A couple of quotes or a couple of short stories that came across. One starts like this. It says, a teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet and what it does. The next day in a written test, she, concluded, she included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M, and I pick up things. When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that almost 50% of the students answered the question with the word mother, not magnet. A four-year-old and a six-year-old presented their mom with a houseplant. They had used their own money, and she was thrilled. The older of them said with a sad face, Mom, there was a bouquet that we really wanted to give you from the flower shop. It was real pretty, but it was too expensive. 
It had a ribbon on it that said, Rest in Peace. And we thought it would be just perfect since you were always asking for just a little peace so that you can rest. <laughs> a few quotes. There's names attached to all of these, but I didn't write them down. So um, if we get sued, that's why. One says, uh, I want my children to have all things I couldn't afford. Then I want to move in with them. <laughs> Mothers of teenagers know why animals eat their young. If evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? It doesn't work, by the way. Now, as always, the most automated appliance in the household is the mother. A suburban mother's role is to deliver children obstetrically once and by car forever after. This is what I'm not sure I appreciate. An ounce of a mother is worth a pound of clergy. And then on a not-so-funny note, a couple of quotes. A mother's love is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking. It never fails or falters, even though the heart is breaking. And as we talked about the fall a couple of weeks ago, that's one of the areas of, of consequence that not only is there pain in childbirth, but there's pain for a lot of mothers in child rearing and uh, kids that go wayward, kids that don't, uh, that break their mother's heart. The mother-child relationship is paradoxical and, in a sense, tragic. It requires a mother's intense love. Excuse me. It requires the most intense love on the mother's side. Yet this very love must help the child grow away from the mother and to become fully independent. And uh, we know that firsthand in our house with uh, in the same couple of months where my daughter Natalie went off to get married and Mitch went off to college. And it's, uh, it's tough on me, but it's especially tough for moms who pour your lives, ladies, into your kids. And really what you're preparing them for is to leave the house. And that is really uh, a paradox. This is a great and happy day for many, many of you. But I also know that it's a painful day for some of you as well. Some of you had moms that weren't nurturers. Some of you had moms that weren't there for you. Some of you moms have kids that have broken your heart, uh, that have gone wayward. And today, I'm, I'm hoping that this message is an encouragement to, to all you ladies out there and that it spurs you on. And men, I hope it spurs you on as well. And we're, the title of the message is Life Giver. Um, it is, and it's about women um, and your unique created role that God uh, designed you for. All women have life-giver tendencies and abilities. Every woman has life-giver tendencies and abilities. You have the created capacity in your bodies and in your spirits to give life, to nurture, to heal, to comfort, to encourage, and make things alive. Let's just let's pray for a minute. God, we just uh, thank you for uh, this wonderful day. God, that it is a day to remember um, your work your design, so that we may glory you, glorify you, and honor you. And Lord, I just uh, thank you for the wonderful way that you've made women. Um, Lord, I can't imagine, (laughs) well, we wouldn't have people on this earth, but I can't imagine my household without the ladies around, my my wonderful gift, my bride Nancy, and I just praise you for her. And Lord, I just pray that that we would leave here... um, uh, not entertained, not discouraged, but we would leave here, God, desiring to worship you in a greater 
in a more magnificent way. And God, there's, there's people here today that have yet to bend their knee to you. Uh, God, that they're, that you appear to be drawing, that you are, um, um, that you're working uh, the work that only you can do. And so, Lord, I just pray that, um, that you would save some. Today and the coming days and weeks, God, may, would you, would you, uh, allow us to dust off the baptismal and uh, pull it out and, uh, um, and celebrate uh, the new life that you've infused into people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 3, we're actually going to circle back uh, to, to a part of the Scripture that we taught on last week. And really, this in essence is more of a topical message, but we're going to take a look at a few, few different passages. And the foundational passage that we're going to look at is Genesis 3.20. And if you remember what's going on there, is, uh, is it's after the fall, it's after God had given out consequences to Adam and Eve. And Eve was called woman. When God created her, she was simply called woman, which means out of man. And this is the first time in verse 20 where she has a name. And Adam names her. And Adam names her Eve. And in the, the verse it says... The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And Eve literally means life giver. The Hebrew translated directly is living, life giver. And if, if I could go back in time and create this Hallmark holiday, I would call it Happy Life Givers Day. Because there's so much more to it, as you're going to see through these scriptures, than motherhood. And we're so grateful to God's design that you ladies, many of you, can be mothers. And we're grateful for our mothers. Eve was created as a life giver to give physical life. And the first way that she did that is that she was going to bring forth the Messiah. And if you remember in, in uh, verse 15 of chapter 3, where God is doling out the consequences for Adam and Eve's sin... And he's given consequences to Satan, for Satan, for what Satan did to Eve. And he tells Satan this in verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. I will cause the woman to hate you. And you will have no authority over the woman. And he says, and between your offspring, Satan, and her offspring, or some of your versions say, his seed and your seed, it says, He, God, Christ, shall bruise your head, Satan, shall crush you. So the first way that Eve, in the the most magnificent way that Eve is a life giver, is that the Messiah Jesus will come out of her, it came out of her lineage. And none of you will participate in that aspect of life giving. There were many women along the way. If you look at Matthew uh, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, you see a lot of ladies mentioned, and you'll see it all throughout this chart, that it was their seed that continued on the messianic line that Jesus eventually came from. Secondly, Eve was created as a life giver to give physical life, procreation. She was there, to, she, she was given uh, the authority to, and the ability to make babies, to bear children. Most women have the ability to have children. Some won't be able to because of physiological reasons and because of just just being single or choosing not to have kids. But the plumbing, if you will, that God has wired all ladies to be procreators. 
In Genesis 1.28, God said to Adam and Eve, Be fruitful and multiply. He called them to procreate. And in Psalm 127.3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the, wo- of the womb is a reward. Motherhood is important, folks, but it's not the sum total of life-giving. And we're going to spend most of the message today not so much on motherhood, but on life-giving, which encompasses the whole package. Eve was created as a life-giver to nurture as well. All women are life-givers in their ability to exercise their nurturing instincts, relationally, at home, and spiritually. All women are created that way. This is not exclusive to mothers. Some would call this motherly instincts. And there's just an innate, God-created ability to nurture, to care for, to, to, uh, to protect that, women's, that women have. Let's take a look first at the relational aspect of nurturing. And this is, this is going to be so obvious, uh, particularly to you men. And it's an area, quite frankly, where I've discouraged my wife and where I've discouraged a couple of her sisters. And we want to take a look first at Ruth. And uh, have many of you read the book of Ruth? It is an, it's an encouraging book. It's a short book that is so rich. And it starts out with a focus on a lady by the name of Naomi. And Naomi has a husband. Both Naomi and her husband, and I can't pronounce his name, are from Jerusalem. And they have two sons. Naomi's husband dies. After he's dead, the two sons get married. One of the sons marries Ruth. Both sons die. So mother-in-law now has two daughter-in-laws that don't have husbands. Ruth no longer, excuse me, Naomi no longer has any roots in Moab. That's where she's living. She has no roots in Moab. She wants to go back to Jerusalem. That's not Moab, Utah. She's not a mountain biker. It's Moab somewhere. So she's going back to Jerusalem. And Ruth, her daughter-in-law, who is in her hometown, says this. It says this in the scripture. When Ruth heard about Naomi going back to Jerusalem, she wept. She clung to Naomi. Don't go by yourself. She knew that Naomi didn't have any relationships back in Jerusalem. And Ruth clung to Naomi, said, don't go. It says that Ruth dealt kindly with her mother-in-law. She wept, she clung to her. This is what women do. Women are so relational. Us guys, there's a lot of times, there's, I talk to men often, and this is, this is a, a sad state, but where they have relationships, there is men, there is kids in their life, my dad actually has a cousin that he was in business with, he was best friends with, that he didn't, they had a, a blow up, they didn't see each other for 30 years. It doesn't seem to happen as often for women. I know it does happen. Because women are relationally, they don't like conflict. They want people to be okay. My wife Nancy sometimes is, she, she inserts herself in a fantasy world sometimes because she wants everything to be okay. Right? And I need her. Because I sometimes just say, the heck with him. She goes, but, 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 but just, you've invested so much time. And I so need that. And that's what God's made her. In Exodus 2, Joseph is a memory. He's gone. He's been gone a number of years. And the current Pharaoh of Egypt sees this group of Israelite people that is growing large. 
And Pharaoh, who's the head of Egypt now, is threatened by that. And he asked two midwives, uh, they're ladies, if I, can, if I can pronounce their names, it doesn't matter. Two midli- midwives, he says, kill every male baby that's an Israelite. Kill them. And these two midwives are actually mentioned in the scriptures. You know why? Because they obeyed God and they did not kill the babies. They are compassionate. And women have that innate, God-given capacity to be compassion. As believers, we're all called to have compassion. But most women, and I don't want to stereotype everybody, but women are designed by God to have compassion. And these two midwives had compassion and they obeyed God. So here comes Moses. Moses being born in this time of genocide where the Pharaoh said, kill every male baby. And Miriam, or not Miriam, uh, Moses' mother, Miriam's a sister, Moses' mother took Moses days after he was born, put him in a basket, put him down by the Nile. Moses' older sister was watching this happen, and she followed mother down and watched her little brother. And Miriam is really the matron saint of babysitters. And her whole deal was to guard her little brother so that nothing happens to him. So he's not drowned, he's not killed, he's not eaten by animals. And that guarding, that innate capacity to see a baby, and if, if you ever go to our community group, I mean, it is, I mean, it, the, the babies are just getting passed around, and you hardly ever see them in guys' hands. And when they do make them my hands, they cry and they poop, and I give them back to the mom. I love babies, they just don't love me. So here we are. Moses is put in a basket by his mom down at the Nile because there's genocide. Miriam, his sister, is guarding him. And then here comes Pharaoh's daughter, the same Pharaoh who ordered the genocide, who comes down, discovers the basket. And an angel didn't appear and say, Lady, this is a powerful man. This man will rescue you and save a group of people. Here's what happened instead. Pharaoh's daughter saw the baby, and the scripture says she heard him cry and had compassion on him. Isn't that amazing? I'm just thinking about a guy fishing in the Nile, hearing a baby crying. I might panic. I might get angry because there's a baby crying. I don't think I would. But I don't know that I have the same compassion that a mother would have. I've got two uh, sister-in-laws that are, one is married with no kids. Um, the other one is not married. And both of these are, uh, are close to my age. And they dote on my kids and have doted on my kids. Right, guys? From, from, the, from the time they came out of the womb. And I gotta tell you, this morning I was actually talking to Nancy about the message and I, it just really, I really teared up. God really convicted me because it's, it's bothered me. It's like, what? They're spoiling our kids. Can they just leave them alone? Leave them alone. I mean, I mean, he's 21 years old. He doesn't want to go to the Greeley Stampede and, and ride in the merry-go-round thing. 
but they want to dote on them. And now it's just, it's giving me an understanding because God, even though they're not mothers, the Lord has made them with nurturing, life-giving instincts that they have no place to pour it out. And they're pouring out on my kids. And what a privilege that is. Nancy and I have got a friend, a dear lady, that has never been married, that, and has never had kids, that has a nephew that she calls the kid, that she uh, brought into her home after the kid was kicked out of her, her brother, his father's home. And she just had this natural nurturing instinct to bring this kid in. And so the reason that I'm bringing this up is to celebrate it. You know, that let's not fight it. There is, there is such a movement of feminism in this society today where you go to, uh, you, you even see uh, maybe a drill sergeant in the army or something that's, that's, a, that's a woman. And they've even, they've even, their voice is even deeper because they've, they've tried to be tough. And I realize that God has made us all different physiologically, but he wants you to be exactly the way that he created you. And we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. Another way that life givers nurture is in the home. In the home. In Titus, Paul says to Titus, he's encouraging Titus in his faith. He says, Titus, the older women should teach the younger women to be loving wives and mothers, workers at home. So that the word of God will not be dishonored. The home is the special domain of women. It's a central area for her life giving. And hang on, because if you're, if you're a full-time working mom outside the house, praise be to God. You're not going to hear me saying that if God has called you to be outside the house, you shouldn't be outside the house. And that's the key here. What has God called you to? Arlie Hothschild, she's a leading feminist. She's written a book called The Second Shift. Her point is, is that women are doing as much work outside the home as men, but men are not doing as much work in the house as women. So the women, in essence, work a second shift. Ladies, whether you work outside the home, some, none, or all the time, as women, you have a special giftedness, you have a special calling, commission, and responsibility from God to care for the home in ways that men do not. Case in point. Have you ever gone to a girl's dorm and a boy's dorm? <laughs> Mitchell? It is, it is, and I'm in, I started dating Nancy in college, and I would, I would go over to her house, and it was just, it was just spotless. I mean, she's, even in college, I mean, she's just wiping things down, and, you know, our, our toilet and our bathtub overflowed, we just put down newspaper. <laughs> and she still married me. This is amazing. There is an innate capacity for women to take care of the home. Men, this is not an excuse for us not to serve our wives. It is not an excuse at all. Especially those of, of you men that have uh, wives that work outside the home. Okay, if, if for whatever reason your bride needs to work outside the home, get off your tail and help her out in some of those duties. Ladies, if the Lord has allowed you to stay home and, and, and not to work outside the home, um, you're going you're gonna to bear more of that responsibility, and I think the Lord's called you to that. 
if both you and your wife work outside the home, make sure you share in the responsibilities or maybe hire a housekeeper. My wife's cards are on the back. No, they're not. She's, she's full. There's no room. You told me not to say that. Sorry. Church family, we should be serving working single women. We should be helping them in their homes. There's ladies that are by themselves that are working full time. And that can mean they're divorced. It can mean they're widowed. It can mean they're never married. But it, God's word speaks specifically about widows and orphans. And I believe the spirit of that scripture is all single women. Can you imagine? You know, with, with Nancy's sister, Lori, she lives with her, her dad. And she's a huge blessing to him. Huge blessing. But I can't imagine if Lori was by herself um, and who would help take care of her. Last but not least, life, giver, life givers nurture spiritually. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says to Timothy this incredible verse. Ladies, this verse should encourage you so much, particularly those of you that have grown children where your, your kids are walking with the Lord. Paul says to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt, dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. And I want to read another verse from Second Timothy. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, mother and grandmother, and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy's grandmother and mother gave him physical life, but Paul is not making a big deal about the physical birth. What Paul is celebrating here is the investment that these moms and grandmothers made in the heritage of, of Timothy. In Deuteronomy 11 it says, You shall teach them to your children. Talking about the word of God, the law. You shall teach the word to your children. Talking of them, the scriptures, when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Okay, let me, let me just put a... Uh, A disclaimer on this. This is a church, men, where, uh, as, as you guys know, over time you're not comfortable here um, unless you're leading your family. God's called us to lead the family, to lead them in prayer, to lead them in the Word, to stand before and protect them. And we're going to encourage you to do that. We're not going to beat you with it, but we're going to encourage you to do that because it's your God-given role. So that's my disclaimer. Ladies, you're with the kids. And i got to tell you, when I look around this church, you're doing it. You're with your kids a lot more than the men are for the most part. In this opening the Word, when you're sitting in the house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, it's going to fall on you ladies a lot. And I want to encourage you to press on there. To press on, continue reading to your kids when they're little. Read the scriptures. 
Read biographies of missionaries. Read books on character. I think if you were to ask my three kids some of their best memories, what's marked them the most of my wife Nancy is that she's been reading with them since they were little. Always reading. Reading books. Reading biographies of missionaries. Reading the Word. And ladies, don't get discouraged if your men aren't leading there. Pray for them. And just do it yourself. Do it yourself. Okay, don't get discouraged. Don't browbeat them. Pray for them. And just build a spiritual heritage in your kids. God's word says, excuse me, God says his word will not return void. And I believe, and I don't know if I understand it fully, because I know adult kids that there's a tremendous heritage built into them that are astray. But I believe the Lord isn't going to let that go to waste. I believe that the Lord is going to call these kids back. So if you've got wayward kids, moms, I know it breaks your heart more than it even does dad's heart. But don't give up. Keep praying for them. All women are life givers. But not all will give physical life. All women are life givers. Find your peace and confidence in the Lord, knowing that He made you faith, uh, fearfully and wonderfully. Whether you're able to have kids or not able to have kids, whether you're able to have one or five, God is sovereign. He has knit you together fearfully and wonderfully. And He makes no mistakes at all. Some of you are able to have children, some are not. Isaiah says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways. As for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Some of you have miscarried. Some of you had kids die. I don't understand it. I don't know why that happened, moms, dads. But all I know is that we've got a God that is faithful, trustworthy, sovereign. And as we say so clearly in Scripture, that you're going to see those little ones, no matter how young they were when they were mis- when they miscarried, how old they were when they died. I shouldn't say that. If it's an adult child, I don't know what's up there. But when the babies have died, you're going to see them in heaven. There's no doubt in my mind. Number two, happiness, contentment, and peace are found in living for Jesus. Love this verse. Jesus is in a crowd. You know, Jesus often found himself in crowds. Did you notice he didn't isolate himself? He isolated himself when he needed rest. Or when he was going to take maybe two or three away and disciple them. But he was always in a crowd. He was always where the people were. Because he was a man. He was a God-man with a mission. So he's in this crowd. And a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. What this lady is saying is, is blessed, are, blessed is your mother for giving birth to you. She is a blessed woman. This is the Savior, the Messiah. And this woman is telling Jesus, blessed is your mother. And you know what Jesus said? No. 
And by the way, I don't want to offend anybody, but the Catholics got it wrong. I grew up Catholic. They got it wrong. Mary was a special lady. She was a privileged lady. But she's not to be prayed to. She is not any different than any of you women in here other than having the privilege of being the last seed of the messianic line. So here's what Jesus' response was to this woman. Gentle. I think Jesus' response was always gentle. Except to the Pharisees. Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Wow. Blessed. Blessed means happy. Do kids bring us happiness a lot? They do, they do in our household a lot. But ultimate happiness, ultimate joy, ultimate peace, ultimate contentment is found in obedience to the living God. It's first found in the person of Jesus and surrendering your life. And then it's found in obedience. The fruit of the womb is is great, and it's a blessing. I can't imagine my life without kids. Can't imagine. But it's not where we find ultimate blessing. All women are life givers and have the ability to nurture life. The first way you do that is with your God-given gifts and passions. You've all been given the ability, ladies. It is so cool. I'm so grateful for women, especially one particular woman. You guys don't get the mic. I get the... I love you. Thanks. Proverbs 31. The picture here is... And by the way, I think that this chapter of the Bible encourages more ladies and at the same time discourages more ladies than probably any chapter in all of God's Word. It's truth. It's there for a reason. Proverbs are principles, not necessarily commands. And the picture here is that a father is telling his son what he should look for in a woman. And remember, the father knows his son, and he knows what is best for his son. So he's describing this P31 woman based on who his son is. You tracking with me? three things that I pulled out is that this Proverbs 31 woman, she makes her own clothing. She makes the clothing for her kids. Wouldn't that be exasperating if that's if you knew that that's what you had to do to be uh, pleasing to the Lord? Some ladies are gifted in that. Some are called to do it. Some are good at it. I don't know if this lady was darning or knitting or whatever she was doing, but she was making clothing. She's also entrepreneurial. This P31 woman was entrepreneurial. She bought and sold things. It was kind of the ancient eBay. I mean, she was making money for her family. She also had a ministry to the poor. Understand what the commands in God's words are and also what examples and principles are. Okay, ladies? And men, um, this is a special day for your ladies. And I want to encourage you 
to be a student of your wife. It says in the scriptures to live with your wife in an understanding way. And what that means is, is understand her. She's different than your mom. She's different than a past girlfriend. She's different from this lady that makes clothing and is entrepreneurial and has a ministry to the poor. She has her own passions and gifts. Women are all called to be workers in the home. Hear me on this. I'm not saying you're called not to work outside the home. Okay? You're called to be workers in the home. God's just given you that ability. This is a command. But the Word doesn't say that you can't work outside the home. What are your gifts? What's your passion? What's your calling? So much time in Christendom, we spend so much time beating each other up, trying to be who, we don't, who we're not, instead of celebrating the way that God has made you fearfully and wonderfully in the image of Christ. My wife has a gifting of encouragement, of intercession. She writes notes. And we were talking to a dear sister the other day, and she said, Nancy, I'll never be a girly girl like you and, and write notes. And I sensed that this lady was almost demeaning herself, that she saw Nancy up here because Nancy writes, writes a lot of notes and that she'll never achieve that. What's your gift? What's your passion? How has the Lord wired you uniquely to nurture Men, help your wives with that. Encourage them in their giftedness. Body, let's encourage life givers that are not that are not married. Let's identify women who are life life givers, which are women, and encourage them in their giftedness. Please be careful not to compare gifts and passions. Be encouraged by one another, but don't covet or compare. Last is that godliness is most important. At the second to last verse of the P31 chapter, you hear guys talking, the young guys talking, I want to marry a P31 woman. And this second to last verse is the most important one in the whole chapter. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The appearance of this woman, the appearance of this woman's fear of the Lord at the end of the chapter is a reminder that this quality of fear in the Lord is more important than even great skill and talent. Godly women may have all kinds of charm and beauty. And they do. But this charm and beauty is of secondary importance to her godliness. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do you work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And ladies, I don't have any idea how the Lord is using this message in your life, but I want you to leave here excited about the unique way that the Lord's made you. Because He's made you unique like no other woman on the planet. And He's given you gifts and passions that are unique to you. Use those to nurture. And nurture is going to mean something different for each of you. But I'm so grateful to be in a church that is so full of women 
that love their husbands and desire to raise their kids up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you. You are so good. This Mother's Day. Lord, it really is a, it's a Hallmark Sunday that I'm thankful that Hallmark invented or whoever invented it. Because God, we don't uh, praise and uh, encourage um, our wives and our, our moms, um, life givers enough. And Lord, I just pray for a, just a special uh, blessing, God, a special, uh, just a peace on any ladies here today that, um, have experienced pain as it pertains to motherhood, whether it be those that have never been married, yet always long to be married and have kids, whether it be the mom that miscarried, the mom that lost a child. God, I pray that, that your nearness would be their good. So God, as we, uh, as we close out uh, worshiping you in song, God, would you just continue to meet us and just, uh, just further reveal uh, your great love your unconditional love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.